Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. Hello, Heidi. Hello, Becky. Welcome back, listeners, to Hobsession. Heidi, what's your obsession this week? Well, Becky, I've been thinking a bit about automatic writing. Ah, very interesting topic. But automatic writing in relation to the poet Yeats and his wife. George. Now, I've heard a little bit about this, but I don't know an awful lot. Well, look, Yeats, he's he's not for everyone. No. He's really not. I mean, I used to love him a lot when I was younger. Not so much now. I've, I've, I feel almost like I've grown out of him a little bit. I think a lot of people would say that about Yeats. Yeah. He's sort of an introduction into poetry. He's he's the gateway poet. Yes, Yeats is the gateway poet kind of <laughs> rhymes. Well done, Becky. I know, right? I should become a poet. So, um, look, William Butler Yeats, but just a bit of an overview for anybody who doesn't already know. Uh, a very He was a very, very prominent Irish poet. A huge part of Irish literature. And he did a lot of mystical poetry. He was very interested in the occult, as well as being an extremely political man as well. So he was born in 1865. Mm -hmm. Um, He helped found the Abbey Theatre. Theatre was a really huge I didn't know that. I didn't know that. What a dude. And he later on became a senator. I didn't know that either. Yeah, it's funny, whenever you talk about Yeats, all I ever think of is his poetry and the esoteric stuff. Yes, I know. And and that's that's all I thought of. You know, he was, you know, the Lake Isle of Inishbury and and um the wild swans at cool, you know, he's yes. that's that's what he was for me. But he was his life was actually a lot more interesting than we think. Yeah. Um, so his life and work was shaped by his love of mysticism. He was also a member of the Golden Dawn. The Hermetic Order of the Golden yes. Dawn. Yes. And we might even do a show about that. I think time. we have to do a show on we that one day. On a lot of different Hermetic Orders and how they all linked in together. And Yeah, absolutely. So... Look, Yeats was not lucky in love. A bit of a loser in love, oh. you have to say. You reckon? It was. Oh, totally. Absolutely. See, I always think he was being a bit too wishy-washy and idealistic in love. Oh, he, maybe. Okay, so he basically spent years and years being infatuated with this beautiful, influential actress by the name of Maud Gone. Lovely Maud. Lovely Maud. Now... Maud rejected his advances time and time again. (laughs) He persisted. He persisted. It took about 20 years of friendship before Maud went, oh, look. A bit of a 
let's give it a shot. A bit of a pity. Um. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah. A bit of pity sex. Okay. Done for yeah, years. You can have a shag. <laughs> well, no, she would have said it in a much more delicate way than that, I'm sure. Or maybe much not. more kind way. Well, so, she would have had to have, been, to have been of interest to him because he was such a romantic and such an idealist. Do you think that perhaps he was disappointed when finally after 20 years, you know, the reality of a real sexual encounter? Because he would have, he would have inflated it so much in his own mind. Well, the funny thing is he proposed marriage afterwards, so I think he was pretty impressed. Oh, was it Was it afterwards? Yeah, okay. he proposed marriage and for the final time she rejected him and, <laughs> he, you know, he was forced to give up after that. He was like, well, you know, well, she's, she's never going to say yes. Now. Sort of give up. <laughs> because sort this, of give up. This is one <laughs> aspect to Yates' life that absolutely thoroughly fascinates me absolutely so look being the interesting person he was he mm-hmm. then turned to gone's 22 year old daughter he did a woody woody allen he did a woody <laughs> allen his daughter her daughter is okay now she was a lot like her mother in that she well i you know i don't like this term but she totally friend zoned yates yeah. Yeah, totally. Wisely so. Totally, yep. Um, so. He was oh, double her age at this point. He was, he was well, nearing yeah, 50, absolutely. wasn't he? And absolutely. she was about 22, I think. Yes, she is. Now, talking about friend zone, even though I, I hate that phrase. Do I, you? I do, because it kind of gives the expectation that women are supposed to have a relationship with a man who likes them. Ah, if they don't, then, then they've put him in the friends. I don't know. It puts, I don't know. It puts pressure on women. No, I, I understand that actually. No, that's yeah. a, no, very valid. But if you are going to friend zone someone, do it like Maud did. Okay. She <laughs> said, you make beautiful poetry out of what you call your unhappiness. And the oh. world should thank me for not marrying you. <laughs> That's great. I am making you miserable. She's like the anti-muse. No, she the, is. The... She is. So that's when we decided <laughs> that her daughter would make a better muse. And Which actually really does say much about him. I'm sorry. <laughs> because look, it's, like... it's, it's something that did make me lose a bit of respect for him. He sort of, he, ha- he had this very idealised vision of Maud and when she sort of yeah. found that vision, he sort of tried to create it in, you know, her daughter and I think that's really quite, mm. ooh, ooh. Do you know what? I had an ooh uh, reaction as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty ooh. It's a little creepy. It's a lot creepy. And, and look, Isolde obviously found it creepy as well. She, she turned him down, surprisingly. So it's no. like, well... You know, you've been chasing my mum for 20 years. Yes. Uh, you know, she, she wasn't that impressed. So, yeah. you know, he was heartbroken, but he, he had it in his head that he wanted to settle down. But why did he have it in his head that he wanted to settle down, Heidi? Well, I mean, in those days, it was quite unusual for a man in his 50s to not be married. True. And also the order that he belonged to, the Hermetic Order or the Golden Horn, yeah. he'd had his uh, horoscope drawn up by them. 
Yes. And it said that he had to marry that year. He had to marry yes. that year. It, I it think was 1919, was it, or something? I can't yes, remember. that's right. So, yeah, there was some superstition that came into it as well. Because that's how Yates sort of did a, ruled a lot of his life through he superstition, did. idealism, romanticism. That's right. That's right. So, you know, he was like, I've got to do this. I'm determined. I'm going to do it. So he proposed to a young woman who was around 27, 28, um, named Georgie Hyde Leeds. Another beautiful woman. He did. He did choose very, very beautiful women, I have to say. He did. You know, Georgie wasn't considered beautiful. Oh, really? Which surprises me because when you look at photos of her, I think she's beautiful. Oh, she's exquisite. I think she's gorgeous. But no, she she wasn't. She was considered a little bit weird looking. I oh. I don't know why. I don't know what the standard of the time must have been. Um, she, she wasn't a beauty, but she did have other things going for her. Uh-huh. Now, um, after she accepted his proposal... Yates uh, wrote to a friend, and this is how he describes Georgie. Tell me if you'd be impressed by this. Oh, no. All right. I think this girl, both friendly, serviceable, and very able. Oh, he didn't. He did. He didn't say serviceable. Friendly, serviceable, and very able. (laughs) He's a poet. And the best he could come up with is serviceable. I know. Oh, and, my God. And, you know, it's not just the fact that it was so unflattering. I mean, it was a complete understatement. Yes, absolutely. It, it, it was really brilliant. wasn't a, a great way to describe Georgie. Mm. So she was actually an extraordinary person, regardless of Yates and his serviceable, able, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So just a little bit about Georgie. So she was born in um, 1892, so she was quite a lot younger than Yates. Not as young as Azalti gone, but she was. She was quite young. Um, so she was born in Fleet, Hampshire, into a bohemian family. Oh. She grew up immersed in the world of literary society. She spoke five languages. Good Lord had been a nurse in World War I. She'd been an art student at a prestigious college. She was highly educated in theatre, music and European literature. She also had a passion for one of Yeats's obsessions, the mm-hmm. occult. And from an early age, the family members had referred to her as a psychic, and she'd reportedly had experiences with poltergeists. Oh. Yes. So she grew up to take an extremely scholarly interest in mysticism. And she learned medieval Latin in order to study old magical texts. Wow. So, you know, friendly, she sensible, very able. Shut up, Yates. She married down and she he's there calling down. her serviceable. Oh, gosh. So underrated. Georgie's oh. underrated. But that's but that not that the way always throughout history, though, Heidi? Behind every great man there is a woman who is 
greater and completely a magnificent woman yeah yeah uh, like i mean go back to john steinbeck his wife was literally oh look you just read about it all the time oh and look and and what what i'm about to talk about absolutely shows just the the horrific unfairness of this so you know for for all that he downplayed her brilliance yates had to have been aware of her intelligence so he himself was her sponsor when she became a member of the golden dawn and this was when she was quite young as well oh really so he how long had he known her i wonder he he met her when she was 17 oh here we go but you know they they had he hadn't thought of her as a future wife to to do him justice okay yeah no i'm not getting more of a creeping vibe here i'm yeah (laughs) yeah so uh georgie she was 27 when she married yates and he was 52 oh yeah okay and yet she's serviceable Uh uh-huh she's yeah yeah (laughs) so you know this brilliant vibrant young woman no no just serviceable so, look, the marriage didn't have the most romantic start, as we can probably mm-hmm. guess. No. Despite honeymooning in a beautiful forest with this famous poet who owned an actual castle. He lived in a castle. Did he live in a castle? Yeah, he did. See, everything that's ever written about Yeats or that I learn about Yeats, it always points to that high romanticism about yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah, very on brand, on brand, yeah. On brand. So um, Georgie had to have felt pretty unimpressed and pretty lonely because Yates was mooning over his ulti. He was, he was heart, he was still He was writing, he wrote her letters. The he same. was writing letters, mm. he was writing heartbreak poetry. Oh, I mean, God's you know, sake. Yates, you're not 15, you're 52. <laughs> Come on, boy. Get up. Come on. <laughs> so, look, he's writing unrequited love poetry and he's ignoring this brilliant, Beautiful, lovely brilliant woman. Georgie. Yeah. So now, like we, we like to say, oh, she should have left. It was harder in those days for women to just get up and, and leave well, her husband. Impossible. Almost impossible. Mm. Uh, a lot of people probably would have had a meltdown. Yes. And but... some kind of emotional, there would have been some kind of emotional confrontation, but not Georgie. Because she was smart. She was, she did things differently. So <laughs> she suggested that they try their hands at automatic writing. Yes. Now, Becky. Yes, I ma'am. think you're a little bit of an expert on automatic writing. Not at all an expert, but I have experimented a little bit with automatic writing. Can you explain it? So for those of you who don't know what it is, it is where you um, use your left hand usually and allow another part of you, some people say, or something otherworldly, communicate through you onto paper. Yeah. That's, that's a great explanation. It's pretty much as simple and as easy as that. Yeah. So you've done it before. I have. <laughs> I have. I have played with automatic writing before and my grandmother used to do it all the time. And when my grandmother used to do it, which is probably how George used to do it, mm. she'd get great big long script which would tell a story or be mm. very, very definitive. Whenever I've experimented doing it, I've gotten garbled. 
um, lots of circles and lots of illustrations and that kind of stuff. And and when you do it, do you actually feel something or you feel you nothing? Feel... Right. That's the, that, and that's the whole idea of it, I think um, you actually feel nothing. Um, okay. It's it's like it's automatic. It's nothing to do with you. It's like your 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 arm is just a tool for either your subconscious, which is what mm. I think it is, mm. or it's a tool for the other side. Uh huh. Now the Yeatses or at least William Butler, um, thought it was a message from the other side. Of course. Yeah. So Georgie, it turns out, was extremely good at automatic writing. (laughs) But had she been good at it before? Did she suddenly discover this ability to interest her partner? Yeah. Okay, she was extremely good at automatic writing and she appeared to channel extremely lyrical and poetic spirits. Mm. Mm, Interesting. Mm -hmm. This is where it gets really controversial. Yeah. So the spirit that guided her hand that night assured Yates that he'd done the right thing by (laughs) marrying Georgie. And that he should also go do the dishes, right? <laughs> pretty much. I'm not joking. Pretty much. I know. So, so she okay. had him pegged. Do you, do you want to know what the spirit told Yates? You actually know. Okay. Oh, please. The spirit said. She is more than serviceable, you misogynist <laughs> bastard. Well, it said, with the bird, all is well at heart. Your action was right for both. But oh. in London, you mistook its meaning. But in, London, in London was where he made that um, final marriage proposal to his auntie and she said oh, no. Oh, my so, God. So, you know, he's, he's thinking, well, I've done the right thing. I understood. <laughs> the magical I, being the, communicating yes. through my new wife's hand. Absolutely. So Yates was convinced by mm. this supernatural visitor. Of course he was. And overnight, he went from viewing his new wife as tolerable, serviceable, oh. able, to oh. being utterly obsessed by her. He decided overnight that he was obsessively in love with her. Oh, of course he did. Of course he did. Of course that's, he did. That's the kind of guy he was. He was a man of extremes. Very much so. And, and Very much. Very much. Very extremes based on common sense or reason. Yeah, interesting. You would think he'd fall madly in love with her because she was so intelligent and was so um, uh, skilled at so many things. But You'd think so. You'd think so, wouldn't you? But no, writing no, with the hand. No, no, no. So Georgie, or George, he preferred to call her George. I'm going to call her Georgie. Actually, I think is that are you are you calling her Georgie because he liked to call her George? Yes, yes, good yes. on you. That's yeah. it. We're taking it back, the power back for you. Yeah, Georgie. Yeah. So, so Georgie was now his main muse <laughs> and his creative collaborator. Uh-huh. So Georgie's automatic writing was prolific. It was breathtakingly creative and poetic. And Yates completely took on any ideas or suggestions that Maud or the spirits put down on paper. 
So uh, now you do have a literary degree. Did you yeah. study much Yeats poetry? Um, I didn't study Yeats at uni, but I, I just I got into him in high school. Okay. Can, can... And, and, and I studied drama. That's right. So, you know, he was one of those poets that drama nerds kind of like, he was a drama nerd. And also yeah. Being, yeah. being into Celtic folklore, being into fairies, mm. um, you know, of course, it all came together. Also, I was really into the music of Lorena McKennett. And she, she does put a couple of his poems to music. Okay. So I was, you know, it all came together. So you you were a bit of a fangirl. I was a little bit of a fangirl, that's right. Can you see the difference? Have scholars recognised the difference between his poetry before he married Georgie and after he married her? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. And that's and that's something that I'm I'm actually going to talk about soon because it's excellent. It's it's quite it's quite a profound difference. So um the spirits were very helpful, really helpful. They advised Yeats about everything, about household matters. Uh-huh. <laughs> when, he and, when he and Georgie should try for a baby. Oh, God. Yes, the spirits. She had him so well pegged. Oh, look, the spirits <laughs> organised their whole sex life. I am so glad that the spirits just happened to be very pro-Georgie. They did, and they tended to suggest the things that she liked. Really? Yes. yes. The spirit says that we should paint the bedroom pink, darling. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, he, he did whatever they, they told him to do. So um, now, whenever Yates found himself falling in love with someone else. Oh, no. As he was wanting to do. <laughs> Georgie's loving spirit this woman so much would guide him back oh. and and tell him that Georgie was the best one for him. Oh my god! I know they would stop him. I'm sorry, but do you know what I keep thinking in the back of my head is what an idiot. <laughs> oh look, he was he was. Do you know what I think? It's like when you're a kid, and you kind of you know that Santa's not real. But you ah uh, yes, but you, you want to believe. And yep. so you kind of do okay. and you make yourself and you know it's not logical, but it's yeah. so much fun. Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, I, I think it might be like that. Well, I, yeah. I think half of the things that I enjoy spooky-wise are like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, absolutely. I know I'm sort of playing a game in my mind, you know? Yeah, yeah, and we all do it. Oh, dear. Yeah. So <laughs> now this is also interesting. So at first the text had been uh, fragmented and disjointed and messy. But as she got more practice, the spirits became more polished and they allowed George the time to write neatly. Oh, that was very polite of them. It was very polite of them. So in three years, Georgie wrote around 3,600 pages. Whoa. Automatic script. Sorry, how many pages? 6,000? No, around 3,600. 3,600. Yeah. And how many years were they married? What, about 20 well, years? Um, 
yeah but but this was this was over three years so it was it was mainly over three years so basically three letters a day yeah spirits were busy well he used to ask them questions and they would answer questions can you imagine she was trying to probably look after the kids and honey honey could you ask the spirits if i should have a sandwich for lunch or soup yeah yeah exactly so (laughs) they were all credited to the spirit communicators and they had some cute names too um there was one called emeritus one called leaf and one called apple oh so it's, it's kind of cute yeah so so yeah so yates would ask them lots of questions and their answers answers often inspired his work so in fact they or georgie really yes, yes. inspired his work to the are extent- we calling it early are we we're not going to wait to the end of the podcast to give our conclusions do we both agree that she was just totally playing him oh yes yeah, of course she oh, of course, okay. of course she was <laughs> um inspired his work to the extent that some yates scholars are now suggesting Ooh. that georgie be thought of as a co-author wow yeah so apart from the usual dedication to his wife at the start of his books, Yates never credited her for Are any of sick? the ideas oh. that she provided. Well, didn't with. he at least credit Emeritus and Apple and Leaf? Oh, look, he, he kind of, he did write about them, but it was, it was kind of like they were his muses and they would, giving him this divine inspiration and I, oh, you know, she, she kind of, he, he erased her from that basically. It was him and the spirits. Yeah, but that's not unheard of in the it's art It's not world. at all. It's not. So, so she was a divine muse, but she was never looked at as a poet in her own right. So, did she write ever anything that wasn't uh, spirited to her? Was she a writer as well? I believe she dabbled in writing. Okay. It'd be interesting to read her writing and see. It would be. It would be. Yeah. Well, do you know what? As weird as this seems, she definitely wasn't unique. There, There's more than one literary wife who's done this. I mean, the, oh. the wife of... The wife of Arthur Conan Doyle of Shows. She was an automatic writer as well. Oh, God. So, and, and you know, throughout history. We've been, have, we've been doing it wrong, Heidi. I think I wives. Know. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and you know, apart from the whole thing about literary wives doing this, it was actually a very popular parlour game. At this time, yes, uh, seances were, yeah, um, were. It was the, it was the era of that kind of thing. Yeah, it was the mir- It was the era of parlor magic, basically. Yes. yes. So, so you know, it was popular. There were many spirit mediums that made a living from automatic writing, yeah. in the same way that. Um, mediums well they were mediums they would they would go over to people's houses and they would they were like uh 
human we human Ouija boards, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the vast... amount of power that would hold, yeah. especially if you had someone uh, who was very suspect, susceptible, susceptible, help me out here, What's yeah. the word? susceptible to that, it's um, very easy to influence. And you see people do it now, those mediums Absolutely. with the big crowds. It's Absolutely. so easy. It, it is. And the vast majority of these automatic writing mediums were women. Is that because they were clever or because they were um, particularly clairvoyant? Uh, look, they were generally very clever women. Yeah. They were generally um, very educated women from um, from genteel but poor backgrounds. Mm. Uh, and they were generally frustrated novelists. Oh. They were generally women who couldn't get a foothold into the extremely sexist world of publishing. Yeah, I was about to say that there yeah. was a feminist argument in all this. There, there's yeah. a feminist essay in all of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, there were the frustrated novelists, poets, playwrights, and then suddenly they have this way of being finally taken seriously. Yeah. So they're <laughs> the spirit well. How right. unbelievably awful is that can you imagine being of that era do you know what I, I think automatic writing is this kind of chilling metaphor almost for Ooh. the unheard voices of women yeah in absolutely. those eras absolutely I mean imagine I when you think of all the female geniuses that we have now there would have been the same amount back then oh god yes. but without a voice and yeah and they had to adopt these ghosts in order to make men even remotely hear them absolutely that's that's insane it is it really is and i don't blame them for maybe um abusing their power a little bit in the way that georgie maybe abused her power sometimes but she had no other power what other power did she possibly have she she didn't have any other power so Um, this is quite well known in mm, the true world isn't it yeah it's it's not i don't know it i don't think it's that well known okay well those who are yates scholars i'm wondering oh oh, they would absolutely know yes okay so do they acknowledge um do they look upon her badly for doing this or do they Not... see perhaps like we do that she was, you know, doing what she had to do? Well, I've actually got here a quote from um, one of one of Yates's um, biographers, uh, Richard Elman. And Richard Elman writes, had Yates died instead of marrying in 1917, He would have been remembered as a remarkable minor poet who achieved a diction more powerful than that of his contemporaries, but except for a handful of poems, did not have much to say with it. Oh, my. So that's really interesting. Yeah, and quite depressing. It, It is, isn't it? So basically she made the man. Well... Do you know what? He was he was well known. He was famous and successful before they married. But 
I think what Elman's saying is that he, his work wouldn't have lasted yeah. without her wow. coming afterwards. That's absolutely she, she, fascinating. Yeah. I mean, the, the ideas that she put forth, that he took on, they, they did add a lot of richness to his work. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, Georgie, yeah. thank you for the poetry. That's right. And she actually outlived him by 30 years. What was her life like after he had died? Did she ever do uh, her own literary or interests? Look, or? No. Do you know what? She was very busy. She had to manage his literary estate, which was really complicated. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> um, sadly, she developed alcoholism, much like her father. Well, well, no wonder she her. had no identity of her own. Her entire life was centred around her husband's genius, which was actually perhaps her own. But Yeah, yeah. That's not an and, um yeah, yeah, so she, she wasn't the happiest of women, really. No. No. Well, that's I think most women at some point or another, whether they own to it or not, have done something to manipulate a man back to them or to stay with them. Um, most women. Absolutely. Often, yeah. And um, it, it's a very hollow uh, victory. Yeah. So it would have been very, very perilous for her the entire time she was with him, knowing that, she could only convince him to be interested in her and to stay with her rather than just it come from his own passion. And and to see the passion he might, he had for Maud and for Isolt, that had been quite painful, I think. I, I think so. And he did have quite a lot of affairs as a as an old man. Oh. And and I apparently she was quite patient about these because I mean what else could you do? Yeah. Really? Um, that's what happens when, when you're married to a great poet in that era, I suppose. Do you think it happened now? See, I'm going to get very controversial now. Okay. Do you think, though, that it still happens now where women uh, in relationships play second fiddle? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so do I. Absolutely. Especially yeah. in the literary world or in the art world. Yes. I mean, I do know couples where it's the opposite. But really? But they are rare. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's getting better, but it's it's still there. It's still a thing. It's still there. It's still a thing. Absolutely. So no more ghosts, women. Yes, we've got to find a better way. Anymore. What is the better way? And men, stop being so easily manipulated. Just be loyal and interested in amazing women and don't call them serviceable don't ever call a woman serviceable please don't call women serviceable oh my god i i i had never heard that and that's gonna, yeah that it, it's every time flattering. i read any yates now it's going to be in my brain serviceable serviceable yeah I, and i mean look he wrote some beautiful stuff he did or you know they they wrote some beautiful stuff but yeah you know it's it's one of those things um I'm, I'm, I generally don't like knowing that much about people. Yeah, it ruins the art. Because when I was younger, I, I would just kind of forgive everything. I didn't care. I'd be like, oh, but they're so interesting. Mm. They're so brilliant and beautiful. But now I, I yeah. tend to judge a lot more. Yeah. 
I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm afraid to say that I'm the same. And a, and a lot of the artists that or, or movie directors, I quite like Woody Allen movies and now I can't abide them. Oh, see, I never understood Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew what people saw in him, so. So you, you didn't feel the loss of that one. You did feel I, the loss. However, I do have to mock you painfully here and let you know that you did mock the loss of Rolf Harris. <laughs> I didn't see it coming, Becky. Okay. I didn't see it coming. Everybody else did. Everybody else was like, oh, you had to have known he was a creep. Look at him. And I was like, no. I no, not the waterboard man. He's my hero. I mean, you know, he sings the song called Jake the Peg. With a leg <laughs> and his crotch, but I didn't see that was creepy. Uh, okay, he just kind of wobble board and oh, yeah, yeah. But it's like, like Picasso. I've only just recently learned what a misogynist, horrible man he was, and it's ruined him for me. Gauguin. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, yes. I've always struggled with Gauguin. Oh, same, same. And do you know what? He wasn't that nice to men either. He just oh, wasn't, wasn't he? Nice. He was just a no. pig. Okay. He was yeah. a good artist, he, just, he just wasn't. Yeah. So it's like, you know, with male artists, if you love their work, stay away from the life story. <laughs> you don't want to know. Stay away. Or maybe, or maybe the moral of the story is stick to female um, artists and literary figures to draw your inspiration from because maybe they might let you down a little less, especially if you're a woman. You don't have to read about how they referred to their newlywed wife as serviceable. No, you don't. Though we don't want to alienate all our lovely male listeners out there. Of course not. Sorry. No, we we love you. We love you. And we know not all men, hashtag not all men. Yeah. So I might try some automatic writing. Do it. Yeah. Maybe we can make another... Uh, episode on automatic writing we could i've got a few uh stories from my childhood about that actually yeah well to end today's podcast perhaps we can read the poem gratitude to unknown instructors by yates what they undertook to do they brought to pass all things hang like a drop of dew upon a blade of grass Except now we know they're not so unknown instructors and it's a real shame that he never saw that himself and saw what a brilliant woman Georgie That's was for right. her own right. That's right. That's right. Heidi, that was absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you, Becky. Thank you for listening for us today and we will see you soon. Bye. Cheerio. Bye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.